back in the saddle on the dubcast all that happened last week apparently was was johnny i was out and johnny decided to just take shots at cleveland is this yeah did i miss exactly. anything I mean, so you just take you just took shots just unprovoked <laughs> tack on the, the hottest of which takes. currently reside did you have Without a lot of hot you takes? Me in, my takes just rain down from the sky and like fiery <laughs> hellfire and burn the entire city of cleveland to the ground uh... <laughs> i can't God. This is what oh, it's all gonna go to hell. This is what happens. It all goes to hell. I'm not here. Yeah. You know, it's funny on the hot take thing. We got a lot to get to on the show today. Obviously, a lot going on with the Buckeye football program. And a big week for us at Eleven Warriors is our dub gate is this week. Uh, we have that to look forward to, which is nice. Um, yes. But on the it's funny the idea of hot takes. So every Tuesday, I drive down to Columbus and I tape the television show that we do. Uh, on Time Warner Cable Sports Channel. And the beauty of that is that I have satellite radio. And so I'll bounce around from uh, talk, sports talk to Howard Stern, um, kind of go wherever the, the dial leads me. And there's nothing quite as jarring. Uh, if you have satellite radio, then you're aware of all the sports tiers and all the sports channels. So Dan Lebertard has a show. You're probably aware of it if you're listening to this podcast. And on Dan Lebertard's show, and by the way, I think five, six years ago, Levitard's show was the best show in radio. And I probably learned more from doing from listening to Levitard's show when he was doing it out of Miami than any other show. And the biggest thing I learned from it was is don't take everything so seriously. Like you can laugh. That's a good thing. You can have fun with it. And when I first got into radio, I thought you had to be Jim Rome and you had to be so staunch in these hot takes and I have a take, don't suck, hung up on people on radio, acted like an ass, frankly, <laughs> at times. Um <laughs> And, and I started listening to Levitar and I said, oh, you don't have to do it that way. Because when I first got on radio in Columbus, that was the only time I'd ever, that was the first time I'd ever been on the radio was in Columbus. And all of a sudden I was doing a show. So it was, it was nuts. Um, and I told you that story so I could tell you this story. So I'm driving down to Columbus two weeks ago and I'm listening to Levitar's show and they have the animal guy from the Miami Zoo on. And if you haven't heard this segment, Johnny, what they do is Ron McGill comes on and Stu and Dan ask him some animal questions like, uh, if a, if a man was in a cage with a tiger and a man had a hatchet or an axe, who would win? And then Ron McGill answers these questions seriously. It's straight comedy. I laugh so hard that I cry most of the times. Then they have their callers call in and they will ask the most just random animal questions. And then Ron McGill will answer them with a, you know, with a straight answer. And it's, it's really straight comedy. <laughs> and there's nothing quite as jarring. And this brings it back to the hot takes. Then going from that and flipping over to Mad Dog Sports Radio and hearing right. Adam Shine give like a deathly serious take on the New York Jets mishandling of the quarterback situation to, <laughs> almost to the point where people will die if Todd Bowles doesn't figure this out. Like the sincerity and the seriousness, the commitment he has to these takes. And I'm not just saying there's a lot of people that do it that way. And I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong, but there's nothing more jarring <laughs> Going from like Ron McGill telling you that a harpy eagle uh, is the most fierce creature on earth <laughs> with a straight face to to Adam Shine. What telling do you, you about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like just just screaming Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, it's just like, wow. And there's the beautiful thing about it is there's a place for everybody. So there's right. some if you like one or the other, you can go to each and each has their voice. And I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong, but it is jarring. And when we when you're talking about hot takes about Cleveland, it jumped into my head. You know, just show it. I wanted to share that little anecdote about sometimes oh the hot takes just get crazy. I mean, they just get good. crazy. I don't know how these people stay so committed to them, and I don't know how they act like they give such a damn. It's an amazing gift to be able that you to care that much about every like Skip and Stephen A and those guys that just act like they care about everything so staunchly. That's a right. gift because I don't know how you do that. Yeah, I don't. 
that's the thing. Like, what you get with me is pretty much who I am. And like, and even in the classroom when I'm talking with the kids about stuff and I'm screaming at them about Teddy Roosevelt. I was, I did a lesson today about Teddy Roosevelt getting shot. Uh, my favorite know, president, by the way. Say again. My favorite president, by the way. Excellent president. Incredibly yeah. fascinating dude. Um, he has this incredibly just. It, it, the stuff he did in 60 years of life just completely blows my mind. And so I was talking to them it's about like fiction. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be possible to do all that stuff. And and so I was talking to them about how he got shot when he was given the speech <laughs> and I found excerpts from the speech when he got shot. And he's the best part about it is like, he is, um, they have a transcript of the speech and in the transcript, they say like when the audience was trying to get him to go to a hospital and he'd be like, mm-hmm. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, the bullet is inside me. It's okay. And that's, to me, I love that kind of stuff. I love talking about that kind of stuff. And I can't yeah. fake enthusiasm for things that, to me, don't match up to that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, yeah. if you told me to get in front of a bunch of kids and, and complain about the, you know, I don't know, complain about the coaching in the Bengals game and the tie in London, I don't yeah. care that much. Like, it's not really something that yeah. I can, like, get worked up about. But if you want to talk to me about, you know, the tragedy of Teddy Roosevelt losing his mother and his wife on the same day, Valentine's right. Day, within hours of each other, like, I can get emotional about that. Right. Um, but, you know, it's, I don't know. It, I completely agree. I, I'll listen to some people on the radio or I'll see, like, a thing on TV, and they're arguing about asinine stuff that no one yeah. cares about. And I'm like, yep. I know somewhere there are people who care just as deeply and actually yep. about those issues, but I'm not that dude. Um, the yeah. stuff I really care about is Ohio State sports and history <laughs> and politics, and nothing else. Absolutely right. nothing else. Yeah, so, no, it, it, I, I'll tell you though, because it's, that is a gift to be able to bring that energy. Like yeah, that those is. guys, really those type of guys bring to bring that type of passion on every topic. Right. That's a gift to be able to do that. And it's a, it, you have to really be able to BS because that's a, there's no way they care that much. <laughs> Nobody who's been in this business cares that much about yeah. Todd Bowles and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Geno Smith <laughs> and whatever the hell is going on with the Jets quarterback. Nobody. It's just right. impossible to care that much. Um, yeah, I want, yeah, I wanted to start today. Uh, I obviously missed last week. We'll get into the reason why a little later. You Maybe you handled that last week. Um, the the Coming out of the Penn State loss. And the thing that's been kind of rattling around in my head for the last, you know, since that loss and the play against Northwestern and just just everything is uh, expectations are a funny thing, right? Yeah. You, our expectations <laughs> were set by a couple of things. Number one, Urban Meyer, if we go all the way back to fall camp, saying that this team reminded him in 2014. Now, he's probably asked the question, but I've heard from multiple. He was probably asked the question a lot because of all the similarities. But he, he also wasn't shy in giving an opinion on it. Right. And embracing it and saying, yeah, it does. It does kind of look like 2014. And we said on some of the preview stuff, I remember doing those pods and saying, boy, he doesn't say that unless he knows something. Like he's mm-hmm. got to know that he's got a loaded loaded hand here. So that's where, where our expect, expectations started. That's where our ex, sky high expectations started. That was followed by an absolute dismembering of Oklahoma, right? I mean, yes. we, 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 we roll into Norman and just treat them like children, like children. And the game was never in question. It was just a, a whitewashing. And you go, my God, like, how great is this team? And you see this kid like Malik Hooker, who's just a stud, is going to be a first-round pick. You see, like, these guys just flying around and JT completing everyone. Noah Brown, four touchdowns, and Mike Weber's running like crazy. And Curtis Samuel's a weapon. You're going, my gosh, they're better. are they better than they were a year ago? Is that possible with all that talent? And so your expectations go up. 
And now we get to present time and we look at the Penn State loss and we look at the way that they played against Northwestern. And if if we did not have those two things, the Urban Meyer setting the expectations, the way he embraced the 2014 comparison, and if we did not have what we perceived to be a a ultra impressive win on the road in Norman and Oklahoma's coming around a little bit. So, and I'm, I'm not taking any, that's a nice win. That's a great win. Um, but those two things shape the way we view this team. And some of it's people like our fault because we talked about it, me specifically, I was all over it. And it's some of it's urban's fault. And some of it's our fault as Buckeye fans, because we chose to view this team in a certain way. But the reality is that this team this far into the season, Johnny has a ton of questions yeah. and that, that aren't answered and probably won't be answered over the next month. And that maybe our expectation should not be go win the national championship. Maybe the expectation for this team should be beat Michigan, win the big 10. Maybe that's yeah. what the expectation should be. And maybe that, and I don't know if Buckeye fan would be satisfied with that. The average Buckeye fan beat Michigan, by the way, they're going to be undefeated going in there. Beat undefeated Michigan at home, win the Big Ten. That's a hell of a season, no matter what happens. And if you do that, you're going to be in the playoff. But no matter what happens in the playoff, that to me, as, as you try to wrap your head around all of this and all that's happened and, and, and what we've seen the last couple of weeks and some of the deficiencies, and we'll talk about them at length, um, I, I think we all need to kind of step back and go, wait a second, who did we have to replace? Who? who oh, Wow, you know Zeke Elliott's the best running back in the NFL. Joey Bosa's <laughs> top five defensive end in the NFL. You know Taylor Decker starting. Michael Thomas is lighting it up for the Saints. You know I'm missing guys, but I mean there's a dozen guys that are playing great roles in the NFL. And say, okay, the, 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 you're going to take a step back. Now the bad news is this is not a great team, Johnny, and I don't know if it can be a great team. But the good news is is I don't think there are any great teams. Alabama is probably the best. But they really haven't played anybody either. That's a bunch of paper tigers running around with names that people recognize. There's no good teams in the SEC. It's a bunch of garbage. And SEC, and Alabama's the best of the garbage. But there are no great teams. So you may still make a lot of noise. But I think the way you view this team, I hope, for me at least, I'm changing the way I view this team. And I'm, I'm trying to eradicate some of the expectations that I had built up on an Oklahoma win from a month and a half ago. Well, expectations is a really good word to use there because what happens is is that our expectations evolve during the season. And I think, you know, for me, like I said, I was expecting a three-loss season mostly based on my expectation that the wide receivers wouldn't necessarily pan out that great. Um, they still had a lot of other skill positions to replace, and that would be, you know, kind of difficult. Um, but on the other hand, my expectations were revised after watching Noah Brown catch, you know, a billion touchdown passes against Oklahoma and all that other stuff. Um, I, I think the moral of the story is for me that, you know, and this just reinforces my belief overall that teams do not look anything like what they look like at the beginning of the season, for better or for worse. Like they change immensely over the course of a season. And yep. for a lot of different reasons, I mean, you can have injuries, you can have personnel changes, all kinds of different things can happen. But to try to extrapolate an entire season based on, on one game is really, really, really difficult. Now, if you've got a couple or, you know, two or three games in a row where that kind of shows up, then all right, then maybe you've got a trend. And maybe that's why people are worried about what they're seeing from Ohio State right now. And I think there are some definitely legitimate concerns to come out of the, especially the wide receivers. But a lot of people's belief uh, that Ohio State was going to be a national title contender, which, you know, I think 
most people need to give up that ghost. I think there's still some people are like, hey, only one loss. They could say, like, yeah, I think you got to revise your expectations a little bit on that one. But a lot of it was predicated on the idea that these incredibly important skill positions, especially at wide receiver, which I'm going to harp on a lot, weren't going to be an issue. And they've obviously become an issue. And, of course, they've had some problems dealing with how they're going to put certain guys like Curtis Samuel in the offense and things like that. So, you know, yeah, you can cover up some of those problems, but if they're endemic into the actual team itself, then they're going to express themselves eventually. And that's what you saw against Penn State. Uh, You saw a lot of that against Northwestern, honestly. And, I mean, they've got a big game coming up this Saturday against Nebraska. I mean, I, I understand Nebraska is, is maybe not like, you know, the, the hottest team in the history of the universe right now. I mean, they've, they've got their own kind of issues, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle all that because they have a lot that they need to deal with in a very short period of time. And that mission game, like you said, that looms large right now. That is, that is going to yeah. be a make or break game right now. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, by the way, did Jim Harbaugh go as Woody Hayes for Halloween? Did you see that <laughs> I don't picture? Know what of him? that was? Was he was he, he short sleeve white what dress he? shirt? He kind of a Dwight shirt too. He had a short short sleeve white dress shirt, a tie, and the Woody Hayes glasses. I I assume he was going as Woody Hayes. Yeah. He's that nuts. I mean, it was either that or Michael Douglas and falling down. I couldn't tell which one. Because, <laughs> I, I, and then last night he's at the game with the or Sunday night rather he's in the game with the uh, at the game five and a Cubs hat. His dad's an Indians fan. He's got a glove. I mean, then his dad tells a story about it how his son was so overzealous on foul balls as a grown man, like chasing people down. He's gotten like sixteen foul balls. Like he's the craziest human being of all time. It's that's an aside. But they're coming into the game undefeated. They're not going to lose. The last chance they had to lose was at Sparty. So uh, we'll, we'll get them undefeated. Yeah, th- look. Th- as we as we look at North, as you look at the loss to Penn State, and you look at the loss to Northwestern, you say to yourself, okay, because the one thing concept this team has been is really good defensively, right? All yes. year they've been really good defensively, and that hasn't changed. And you know they're going to have two first round picks probably in the defensive backfield with Lattimore and Hooker. So uh, the way they've been able to plug and play there is incredible. But offensively, there's issues. Um, there's some of the same issues we saw a year ago. I can't tell you. I can't. I I, I can't tell you all the problems. I think from being a semi-educated, maybe enough to be dangerous perspective, I would say <laughs> that JT Barrett does not have a lot of confidence in his receivers. Mm, and no. when, when I, I, I talk, I yeah, when I, when I talk to people who have the, who've been to the press box and are able to see it up there, or if you're in the stands and you can sit high enough, from what I understand that there are times that guys are breaking open and JT Barrett isn't trusting them to get to the places that they're supposed to be. So he's holding onto the ball too long and he, he, he just doesn't trust his receivers entirely. So that's a problem. And nobody stepped up and filled that void. We thought Noah Brown would, and he's nice, but he's not going to blow by anybody. So they, they don't have a burner. They don't have – Devin Smith isn't walking through the door. They don't have a guy like Jalen Marshall um, who would have been huge this year if he would have come back, would have just been huge. Um, they don't have that guy, and they haven't been able to let that person develop. I can't tell you why Curtis Samuel is being used the way he has. I, I don't understand. I thought he would be – at times during this year, I thought he would split carries with Mike Weber. He did early in the season. They went away from it. I don't know why they're doing that. Mike Weber's been pretty dang good, um, but the the way they're using Curtis Samuel, I can't. I don't know why they're not giving him more carries. I don't understand it. I thought they'd use him in the as a running back a lot more. Yeah. What I can tell you, with uh, a pretty strong feel on it, is that when they play fast with tempo, they're good. They're really good, and for whatever reason, they're not. They're not. They're, they're not playing with tempo enough. They started the game against Northwestern that way. Boom, 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 right down the field. Fast, 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 right down the field. 
and you go score and it, and you go, okay, all right. That's, they did that against Oklahoma fast, fast, fast. When they play fast, they are tough to defend and they're not doing it enough. And they haven't done it enough really since Tom left. And, you know, Tom's not Newt Newt Rockney. He's got his own problems at Houston. You know, a couple of losses that he's had. I mean, some of the lusters come off of of Tommy. But the reason Urban brought him in, and this is Urban Meyer's offense, but the reason, the primary reason he brought Tom Herman in was tempo. He wanted to play faster than anybody else, the way that Chip Kelly did at Oregon. And I think Ohio State has lost some of that the last two years. If I say one thing that's different, that would be it. That the tempo that they're playing offense is not at the pace that I think they're at their best. And and that's something that I think they need to get back to if they're going to rediscover kind of that offensive magic that they had. Well, what's interesting, we were having a, I don't know who said it, it was either on Twitter or maybe on Slack, and we were having a conversation about it. And you know, you look at Michigan State right now, right? And Michigan State's having a terrible season. Yeah, um, yeah. And one of the things that we were asking was like, you know, how long does it take for a major coaching loss to really kind of you know, reverberate throughout the program. Like you lose a guy like Pat Narduzzi, right? Who is mm-hmm. obviously, you know, he's a really good coach, obviously he's a central part of what they did there. How long does it take for maybe his influence to kind of wane, you know, in the years after he leaves so that they have to kind of recalibrate what they do? And I was kind of thinking that with Tom Herman, I'm like, you know, his concepts, his ideas are still going to be there maybe the year after he leaves and whatnot, because that's sure. what they have. But, you know, as people start to step in in new positions and they start to create their own things, um, you know, how much of that influence is still around. And, you know, you look at the way the, the games are being kind of planned for, and, and like you said, the tempo is not always there when it could be. I think part of the reason why tempo isn't there is because they don't necessarily trust the receivers to do what they need to do, you Probably. know, quick snaps and stuff, like especially with blocking and other stuff. Although I will say that there was a lot of really good blocking from the wide receivers against Northwestern. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I just... I. It's the same thing with JT Barrett. I don't think they trust the guys in the skill positions, both the coaches or JT Barrett, to do what they need to do. And there were several instances where guys like Paris Campbell were wide open, but JT was like, "Nah, you know, like I don't, I don't know. I can't trust that that's not going to be tipped, or they're going to run the wrong route at the end and just, you know, sail over their head or into a defensive back's, you know, arms." So I, he's definitely playing it safe. The coaches are playing it safe, but really. I mean, that, that costed them, you know? I mean, they, they, they went into the very end of that game at Penn State with a huge lead. And yeah. you put the foot-all, you, you put the foot you put your foot on the throttle there and you win that game easily. And instead they turtled and it, it ended up biting the ass. And again, you know, it's, it's a lack of confidence where in previous years you were like, they got this because they're going to do mm-hmm. exactly that. And instead of, you know, trying to score as many points as possible. It's let's protect this lead. And that is, unless you have a team that's really geared to do that, which I don't think this team is, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to find ways to allow the team, you know, your opponent back in the game. And, you know, that's what happened against Penn state. And I was waiting for that to happen against Northwestern, but um, I think the talent disparity was just too great. And, you know, they, they escaped with that one, but I, you know, in the coming weeks, they're not going to have that luxury. So they, they've really got to figure out a way to make sure that they can, keep pressing for points instead of just trying to play with the lead because that's not going to work i would say if you were to go up to urban meyer and and you like try to come up with the worst thing you could say about his offense <laughs> i think what he would and, and elicit a response of like you shut the hell up what i think would be the question is is if you walked up to urban with the statement your offense is predictable yeah that'd be the worst thing you could say to him because it is that, that would break it his heart and, and johnny they are predictable right now yeah. 
from the quarterback runs on third down, they, you know, what's coming. And I don't know if there's too many cooks in the kitchen. I I don't know what it is. It's probably, it's probably a bunch of things. It's probably a bunch of things. It's probably tempo. It's probably the young receivers. It's probably, you know, the problem, the lack of depth and some of the issues they're having on the offensive line. The Penn state game was the first time since urban Meyer and Ed Werner has been there that I've saw the the offensive line whipped. I mean, that has never happened. And I realize that isn't coaching the offensive line, but you can bet he's poking his beak in on it. Um, you know, th- that's the first time I saw him whipped up front and they were whipped. Um, so there's a lot of things. And yet everything that you want as a Buckeye fan is still out there. I still think they can beat Michigan. I still think they can win the Big Ten. I think that they can cause some trouble in the playoff. I just don't expect it anymore. Yeah. And so that that's going to change the way I view these games is I don't expect them to do that. I But I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. I think there's a lot of fun kids to watch. And I think Urban's too smart of a guy to not get the offensive stuff figured out. And I'm sure they're getting sick of asking, being asked the questions, but everybody has a right to ask them. That's the job of the media to ask those questions. They will. It's up to Urban to answer them. Although well, on his Colin show, apparently he didn't take questions. That's that what true? I was about to say. Did I miss that? He didn't take apparently, it's, apparently it's not his responsibility to answer questions because that, that wasn't really a necessity. Let me take you behind the curtain on how that goes down. Because okay. my show followed that show. and. Right. For better or worse, I created Tennessee Jeff. That's my responsibility <laughs> that I that I gave that to the city of Columbus. Um, but the the reason the way that that show works is the calls come in. Skip Mossick, who's the director of programming for the uh, for the IMG and the coaches show and all of that, he screens the calls and then he puts them in a call screen and then it's up to Paul to take the calls or not. Um, cause Paul's hosting the show. So he decides now and, and Skip may point him and say, take this one, take this one, take that one. But choosing not to take calls on the Urban Meyer call-in show, I'm sorry. Uh, that's a, that's not a good look. No. And Urban can handle that crap. I mean, he can handle whatever anybody asks of him. I mean, so that that's a big, and I love those guys. I love the guys at IMG. I worked with them for seven, eight years. They are great guys. Skip is a great friend. Paul is great. Jimmy's great. They're awesome. I love seeing those guys in the building at radio every day. They're just great guys. But they blew that one. They, they should have put people on the air to answer questions because that's what you can't just take calls when the going is good. Uh, and that was a bad look. Yeah, no, I mean, and, you know, Urban Meyer will lose games from time to time. And it's again, it can't just be a self-congratulatory like, yeah, we did great. Let's let's have people tell us how great we are every week. Yeah. I mean, he's 56 and that, five. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, again, I understand right. that. Coaches are control freaks and, and they want to make sure that, you know, they're in charge of everything and all that. That's fine. But look, Urban Meyer, I don't know how much in his contract. I think it was like almost like oh, over a million dollars or something in his contract. Something ridiculous uh, where it talks about uh, his media responsibilities <laughs> and things like that. The it's dude is getting portion of the deal. Yeah, it's yeah. A, he's getting paid to interact with fans and the media that, mm-hmm. that he gets that money, whether he does it or not. And look if he is going to go out there and put himself out there on a, a call-in show, you should right. allow people to call in to the call-in show. And I assure you not, it wasn't his call to not take calls. That's what yeah. I tell. I'm telling you right now. It was not urban's call. You don't think Urban's so, not aware of that. No, there's no way urban said we're not taking calls today. There's no That's chance. Interesting. No chance. I would have thought, 
I would have thought that they would have like wanted that opportunity. I'm mean, going to get people to like tune in. Yeah, and- there, there is, I'm sure that was a call that was made by Skip and by Paul, probably mostly by Skip, and and they decided not to take the calls. But there's no way Urban said don't take a call. No chance. I mean, he the, the way he does those things, he he slides in, he sits down, he says go, and we go. Like he doesn't have, he's not having no pre-show production meeting. He doesn't care. <laughs> like, he would That's be fair. fine with. Now he doesn't want 50 calls, I'm sure, but he doesn't want too much of nonsense. But he, there's no way he's. I would be shocked if he said we're not taking calls today. That's not in his nature. He doesn't. He doesn't run from anything. I think those guys are trying to save him the trouble and save him the you know the headache by by not taking the calls. But I've seen how that show works, and I was on right after it, and I would see the call screens light up, and there's no way that was on Urban. None. Mm-hmm. I'd be shocked. I shouldn't say no way because I unless their practice has changed a lot, and maybe he has you know, in two years, but it's all the same characters doing it. You know, I just can't, the way that those things work, Urban shows up 30 seconds before he sits down and they go. So that's like, interesting there's no, because there's no conversation before it. I mean, when we used to do the TV stuff with Dom and I, when we would do the Urban stuff for the culture right. show, he's, he's on his phone and he looks up and he goes, are we ready? And we go, yeah. Like he, you don't give him questions, nothing. Like you just go. Mm-hmm. And he just, he answered, like, he's so smart and he's so good at it. Like he, there was nothing like that. That no, he didn't care. Like, let's go. Whatever you want to ask me, let's go. The so, only reason I, I think I, it's really interesting is because right after you know Rothman, who I I think he's a good dude. I enjoy listening to him on the radio. He's a good um, dude. He's a great, great dude. Yeah, good friend. Yeah, and he made a point of saying like you know we need to take you know calls on this. He said there was an elephant in the room. Like he made a point mm-hmm. of saying like this is not how that that show should go. So I thought that was really remarkable that he would point that out. I, I give him huge credit for doing that. Um, yeah, he's he's going in the face of ownership there, or not ownership, yeah. probably management, and going in the shape of a partnership with IMG, and he's going Good in the face him. of guys who he has to walk by on in the halls on a daily basis when he does something like that, and he I mean, probably got some crap for it. Well, I give him a lot of credit for that then, because that's oh, he's me, got a ton of integrity. Exactly that guy said, and yeah. I, I, that's you know, and again, it's written in Urban Meyer's contract. It's part of the interaction that you are supposed to have with fans. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think it's it's unfortunate that we have gotten to the point where we are afraid of failure to that extent. And I'm not saying that Mm -hmm. Urban Meyer is, I just mean that in general, we expect so much. And then if we don't get exactly what we want, it seems to throw off everything else that we have. And I don't, I don't get that. I, I, you know, it's okay to lose a game occasionally. Like I don't like it. It sucks. And I'm, I'm mad about it, but I, I don't get, like to the point where I'm like, well, we got to shut this whole thing down. Like we can talk <laughs> about it. We can have a discussion. Yeah. You don't you lose know, much. About how these are, there are worse times. That's right. Yeah. That's a shame. So um, good for my boy, AR. I'm proud of him. That was, uh, I had heard some rumblings that he had said that. And that, that makes me uh, very proud of him. I was very proud of doing that radio show with him. And I felt what we did it for the most part in the time that we did it. Um, pretty unfiltered. And to the credit oh, of IMG and Ohio state at no point when I did that show, and I'm sure it's still the same now uh, went with, with, Rothman hosting it at no point when I was doing that show, did anybody say me, don't talk about this, watch yourself on that. Like we were, we were not at any point, you know, censored in any way. And I I worked for IMG and they, no point did anybody censor me. You could say whatever you wanted. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Um, as we, as we look ahead to this week, Nebraska coming to town, this is one of those ones, Johnny, where you, you just, when you see the helmets hook up, it's cool. You know, yeah. like these are these are behemoth programs, and Nebraska is not what they once were, and they'll never be what they once were because of the recruiting 
recruiting issues that they have, and they made a huge mistake when they went to the Big Ten. It's lined their coffers, but from a competitive standpoint, now instead of being able to recruit Texas and tell kids you can, you know, you're going to be home four or five times a year and you can go beat the Texas teams, now they got to try and out recruit Ohio in the Midwest, and they have really no avenue into Texas now. And the recruiting for them, every recruiting trip is a flight. I mean, they can't drive to anywhere. It's a tough spot. That is that has become just a very difficult, difficult place to win. And I don't think they'll ever be what they once were again. But I still love the uniforms. I still love the passion in the fan base. I still love the history of it. There was no more dominant team in my life uh, than the 94, 95 Nebraska teams with uh, Tommy Frazier and Lawrence Phillips and oh, the, yeah. those squads just when they beat Spurrier's Florida team like 64 to 20 in the Fiesta Bowl and Tommy Frazier could not be tackled um, like those teams were just steamroll teams like they just weren't going to lose a game just deal with it they're not losing and um, and so I, I, I look I always get jazzed up when I see the matchup and I j- get jazzed up when I see the two uniforms hook up yeah well and it's two top 10 teams right like it's at night I mean this is going to be a huge marquee game no matter what um, I, I really enjoy playing Nebraska. I, mean, I agree with you. They, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. I mean, especially looking at the big 12 now. I mean, <laughs> there, there would have yeah. been an opportunity there, but, um, yeah, I just, you know, I think this is a hugely important game for Ohio state for the remainder of the season. They, it's not just that you have to win this game. It's not just that it's at night and set home and all that other stuff. You've got to look good winning this. You've got to establish some kind of consistency either on offense, defense, I don't care. You just have to look good uh, for a, a large period of time in this game going forward because if those same topics are being discussed with the wide receivers and the play calling and some of the other stuff that happened, even on defense, you know, Ohio State was giving up a lot of chunks of yards uh, through the air. I mean, obviously, you know, Northwestern's got a really good um, quarterback-wide receiver combo there. But, you know, you've got to establish something in this game. Uh, something that people can look towards going towards the end of the season. Cause we're, I mean, it's crunch time. It's November. We, there are no more, yeah. you know, like statement games, like every game's a statement game. It's going to say who you are as a team. So if they go out there against uh, Nebraska and light them up and really just say, all right, screw this. I don't care what happened the previous, you know, four or five games. We're going to be who we are for this month. Um, I'll be a lot more optimistic going to games like Michigan, but um, if you see the same team, if you don't see a lot of fixes, especially in offense, then I think that will be very difficult uh, for Ohio State to really get a lot of momentum towards the end of the year. So for me, this is a make or break game. This is this is like the game. This is a hugely important game, not just because it's at home or at night, but I think this sets the tone for everything else that comes after this. So everything you said is how uh, old Bo would have approached this game, that they can't okay. just win, they have to blow them out. But I'm trying to turn over a new leaf, and I'm trying to change my expectations. <laughs> and so I would just like Fair them enough. to win. I, I, I hope they just win. I hope they win. I hope they build on something. I think well, Urban Meyer's teams are usually going all the way back to his time at Florida are getting get better as the season goes along. We saw it firsthand in 2014, uh, even 2015 after they, you know, they lost and the way they responded with just thrashing Michigan and Notre Dame. Um, so what I would like is some momentum to be built. Um, let's, you know, just beat Nebraska. Don't worry from my vantage point. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be disappointed if they win by seven against Nebraska. I don't need them to win by 60, like just go win and, and start to build some momentum to, and point to the game at the end of the year. Um, I do think the talent advantage is pretty big. Um, I'm excited. I love a night game in Columbus. I think it's as good as any place in the country at the shoe at night. And we're wearing the crazy uniforms, right? The chick Harley uniforms yeah. this week. Is that true? 
Absolutely. I love the look of these. I'm interested to see. I hated the all black. So I, I like the look of these. I like the fact that Ohio State actually wore the uniform previously. I'm curious to see how it looks on the field. I'm optimistic that it'll look pretty cool. So um, I think it'll have an opportunity to be a really cool game. And I'm, you know, I, and I think they can. I, you know, you, you just have to get something going throwing the football. That's they, they have to. They can't keep doing this nonsense. And they threw it 40 times or whatever it was against Penn State, but it was all underneath. I mean, you have to take some shots, and they, they've they got to get something going in the deep passing game or else this is – you know, you're going to have a tough time against Michigan because they got two first-round picks in their secondary, <laughs> and, right. and you're going to have a tough time if you can't throw the ball down the field. So they've, they've got to get something going and some confidence going in the passing game. However they do that, it needs to start this week. So that's, that, that is the real focus for me. I think defensively they'll be fine. I think Weber will be fine. But they got to start to throw the ball with some consistency down the field, and JT Barrett's got to let fly. He does. He's got to let it fly. He's when he's you know he's got to anticipate. He's got to get back to being you know what he was in 2014, what he was against Michigan and Notre Dame last year, and what he was against Oklahoma, which was just stepping and throwing and get back the confidence in those guys. Because and they got to break free and they got to catch the ball. But that's that's where we are right now, and that's those are the things I'll be looking for this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I you know. I'm really excited about it because as of now, our, our tailgate, right? The dub gate, the 11 dub gate is undefeated. And I would be extremely sad if that streak were broken. So that's another little bit of pressure that I want to put on the team. And I know everyone on the Ohio State football team and staff is listening to this right now. So please do not point <laughs> or disappoint all you can't the have a loss on dub gate. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> We are we are five and zero. Oh, I think at this point we don't want to go five and one. We're going to be six and zero oh at, uh, at the end of the the game on Saturday. So that'll be fun. I'm I'm really excited for the Dubgate too. Um, it's easily my favorite event that we put on every year. So I'm I'm pretty hyped about that. Let's talk about that. So this I remember when you guys first launched this, and I went and did the story with you guys on it, and I believe it was Eat Two Brutus, wasn't it? Yes, and then Ohio State had some uh, litigious uh, response to our our naming of that uh, because so of Brutus. We forced to change the name. What's up? Because they, because you use the word Brutus. Yes. Yeah. So they they, they own the word Brutus. I, apparently, they own the uh, the historical character of Brutus who stabbed uh, Julius Caesar. So yes, <laughs> they God, they retroactively applied their copyright to an historical. That's pretty figure. petty. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty pretty petty, Coach. I mean, that's yeah. All. So we we are now the uh, the eleven dub gate instead of eat two, which is great. Yeah, that because really, I mean, you know, puns puns are really my bread and butter, and I'm 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 sad, Johnny. That we, you know that, but you guys were that that eat two Brutus is everything that the site is. I know, I know. in my opinion, it's everything that the site is. Yeah, that's another option was pigskin dig in, but. I loved it. I mean, eat two Brutus was so great. I mean, it's so great. So that that's a shame, but nevertheless, this will be great. Um, and, uh, and, and you you guys do such a great job with this and, uh, where's the location this year. So basically what you can do, it's, it's going to be, um, right on lane Avenue. It's right across from St. John arena. So you'll, you'll see the big, you know, the Warriors stuff and uh, all the proceeds to the W gate go to down syndrome achieves, which is kind of an advocacy group uh, for, you know, because of down syndrome and whatnot and to do research and whatnot. Um, We actually, through our donations, we've raised, tens of thousands of dollars doing this. Um, we were able so to set cool. up the first uh, biobank for Down syndrome research, which is pretty cool. 
Um, the way to get in. So here's the deal. So if you're over 21, all right, we want to. We're looking for a forty dollar donation uh, to Down Syndrome and Chiefs. If you're 13 to 20, it's a twenty dollar donation. If you're under 13, it's free. And if you're active military, it's free. So um, that'll get you a meal ticket and a beverage bracelet, um, which is pretty kick ass. That's awesome. So. Yeah, that's great. And we'll have all kinds of stuff there. I mean, we'll all be there, and we'll be talking to you guys and. You know, we'll have like we've got sponsors and we'll have, you know, some food and some things to auction off and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely like show up. I mean, it's a lot of fun. And I promise that I will try to be more personable and less socially awkward than I normally am in real life. So <laughs> you got legions of fans. There will be legions there. <laughs> yeah. So you, you know, you've got to represent. Um, I am going I'm efforting. I'm going to try and get down to it. Um, Good. I've got about a litany of responsibilities up here, but I'm going to try right. and get down. Uh, I talked to the czar and I'm going to try, I'm an effort to get to the dub gate this year and, and make yeah, a I cameo. Don't, we don't, we don't want to like, you know, destroy like your livelihood or anything like that. But if you pop in and say, that would be, that'd be pretty sweet. I would really like that. That'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be fun. It would be fun to, to see all you guys uh, on, on the reg, if you will. Um, <laughs> a couple other things that I wanted to get to on the Ohio state front. You saw the, that Ohio state's going to charge $190 for the Oklahoma and Michigan state games next year. Well, no, I didn't see that. I haven't seen yeah. that yet. 190 for OU is cool. Uh, Michigan State at 190, that could be a tough sell. This is yeah. um, so they they think Michigan. They're betting on Michigan State being better than Penn State, <laughs> which that's a dicey bet there. Like if you right. I mean, Oklahoma is clear, Oklahoma is clearly 190. Like that'll be that'll be a 500 dollars ticket on the secondary market. Yeah, but I think Penn State has a better chance of being better next year than Michigan State. So that's kind of an interesting play right there. And then I thought I saw somewhere that they're going to charge like 65 bucks for some other nonsense team they're playing in the first month of the year. I think it's so crazy that they're they putting out those out. prices this early in the year or like this far in advance. I mean, because of precisely that, like you don't know how those teams are going to turn out necessarily. I mean, it's interesting. No, that but you know that Oklahoma, like Oklahoma is a safe bet. Sure, Oklahoma, like a, yeah, I totally get that. But like for a Big Ten game, I mean, where you've got teams that are like two and five right now, I mean, isn't that or two incredible? And six sum of money yeah for face value ticket well and that's what i've always said about this like that's why i value the spring game so much because like there's so many people who would never be able to get into ohio stadium otherwise and you've got to give them some way to get in and and the way the tickets are going i mean it's it's sad because and I was I was talking to Kevin a little bit on Slack, and you know he's a current Ohio State student. I'm like mm-hmm. the the atmosphere has changed, and it's not just because I think of the the student body in general, which I think has changed a lot in the past 15 years, but also because it's just getting so prohibitively expensive for a fan to even go. Like you know what, this is even going to be a once a year thing. It's even hard to do that anymore. Yeah, like, it really is. And it's it's unfortunate too because I think those are the people who really make the experience you know that much more fun to be in and. Again, I get it. You know, you need the money and, and revenues are down across the board and all this other stuff, but it's, Supply and it's demand. That that's what they got to do. And it's, it's just, an, I don't know. It's unfortunate. Yeah. They can, they charge it because they can. Right. So yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's not great though. I, I don't, yeah. It's a lot of money to go to see, see a game to say the <laughs> least. Crazy. I think with, what would be nice if they want to charge $190 for Oklahoma and I don't know next year's schedule off the top of my head, but I'm sure they play somebody like, Bowling Green or Kent State or somebody like that in the first couple of games, like then charge fifty bucks for that one, right? Like make right. it so that you can go watch that nonsense. And yeah, that'd be way better. Do that. I mean, I think you know that would be nice. That'd be a nice you know overture from the department to do something like that, so that you know if you want to go to a game, well, no, you can't afford Oklahoma, but you can go and watch. You can watch us play steerage, which those first couple of games typically <laughs> are. 
Um, all right. So uh, a couple other things I wanted to get to. So I missed last week's show because I went to game one of the World Series. So the way yes. that that happened is I we taped the television show on Tuesday. I'm driving back from Columbus. A buddy of mine who's a Cubs fan calls me and he says, I'm in Cleveland. And I he lives in Florida. He goes, I'm in Cleveland going to the World Series. If you don't have to pay, do you want to go to the World Series? And I'm, I said, I don't even know if I can. Like, can I even get downtown? I have no idea. So I bust ass and I called you. I'm like, you think you could, can you do it? You're, of course, of course you can. But we did it for years. We certainly don't need you on this dubcast. We will be fine. <laughs> so so you, you guys do the get dubcast. And I, I tell my wife, uh, which is hard for me because I got little boys and they want to go and I got to explain to them that I'm going yeah. and they can't. And that sucks. And it's really not worth it. But I went to game one of the World Series, and it was on one of the most magical sports nights that I've ever seen any city have. And not just for me, but I, I don't know that any city's ever had anything like Cleveland had last Tuesday, where LeBron James hung a banner and across a thoroughfare for the first time since 1960, by the way. LeBron James, the, the, the favorite son who promised he would do it, did it, hung a banner, and then across a thoroughfare, not across the street, across a thoroughfare, game one of the World Series started. It was unlike anything I've ever seen. And I would tell you this about the city of Cleveland. They are incredibly self-conscious of the way people view them. And it, I've been here a year. My wife, born and raised here. And they are so sick of mistake by the lake and the drive and the fumble and the blah, 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 over and over. And the, the reality is that, that Cleveland, most of the people who live here now, the, I mean, 90-some percent of the condos and apartments downtown are sold out. You can't even get a place to stay down here. There's new ones going up all the time. The nightlife in downtown Cleveland is actually thriving. Um, there's, you know, East 4th, West 6th. They're just, they're, there's lots going on. The flats, a lot's going on down there. Um, and there's a real rejuvenation to the city. And so for the people who live here, there was a tremendous sense of comeuppance that they now they have their championship <laughs> too. Like you can't put that on us anymore. Yeah. You know, we're, we're a city who get, who hung a banner and across the street, we had game one of the world series. And I don't think, I know that LA had, uh, Anaheim and the Lakers, but it's a long ways between Staples center and Anaheim. And I think the Dodgers and the Lakers did it in 88. Um, but it's a long ways from Chavez, Chavez ravine to, to at that time, it would have been, uh, in Inglewood at the forum. So the fact that this happened across up what is amounting to a public space that's not even 20 yards. I mean, it can't be more than 50 yards between the two venues. And and most of you guys listening know that is remarkable and it was great. And the world series was the way it started was awesome. I mean, I, it was historical to see and uh, it, it, I don't regret it. It was great. I'm glad I was able to do it. And I, I appreciate you uh, being able to pinch it for me, buddy. I got to tell you something. So again, I, I kind of ragged on Cleveland a little bit last week mm -hmm. and, and you know, I'm, I'm Southwestern Ohio, so I'm going to, I'm going to defend yeah. Cincinnati a little bit and all that stuff. But um, man, if you got, you got an opportunity to go to a world series game, you go to a world series game. I would murder, <laughs> I wasn't going to murder someone to go to a, I wasn't going to go. I told my wife, I said, I said, honey, I'm not going to go. I've, I've been in Columbus all day. I need to see the boys. Like, I'm not going to go. And she's yelling at me. She goes, it's the world series. What is wrong with you? I said, okay, all right, fine. I'll go. I almost dropped $500 to see like, just like freaking home run derby when the all-star game was in cincinnati right like I, i'm serious like and look yeah. i grew up with cincinnati reds like i went to tons of games every year when i was a kid yeah. i went with my grandparents i loved it it's a huge part of my life but oh my god like that would be i you know and that's the other thing and i think that's you know something that maybe people should realize is that with 
the World Series and some of these other things, like because it's a series, because it's an ongoing thing, there's so much inertia and momentum built up into them. Like there's so much expectation and, and you know what's gonna last for a while. And I like I dream of the day that the Reds are in the World Series and I can just yeah. freak out like for uh, like it's a couple cool. of weeks. Whether they win or not. And look, with the way the, the, the Indians have been playing, I mean, they're about to wrap this thing up. So I mean again, you know, the Cubs got back into it and they might give them a game or so, but I honestly think the the Indians are gonna are gonna close this one out tomorrow night. Um, so I, you know, it, it's a great experience. I don't blame you one iota for going to that game. I think that is an incredible experience that you got to have, and I am super super jealous. And I just hope it happens <laughs> for the Reds in the next two or three decades. It'll take them a while. They kind of had their window, and then they were in and out of it because a yeah. couple, you know, four or five years ago, that was a team that could have won the World Series. You looked at it, and you go, boy, there's no holes here, and just um, completely blew it. Right, except for maybe the manager. As much as I like Dusty as a person, maybe he just didn't have the wasn't able yeah. to pull the right strings. But yeah, it was really cool. And what what's awesome is you see, and it's the one thing that I think Columbus as a city lacks. And I miss this. They they're missing out because what you get, you, we had such brief, just two playoff appearances with the Blue Jackets, and the right. difference between playoffs, professional sports series. And college football games is what you mentioned, the inertia of the moment of a series that lasts. So this city, this summer, got to live through an NBA playoffs that lasted two months. I mean, this city was was sky high for two months uh, as they've had this this walk, coronation through the East and then the shocking defeat of the Warriors in the finals. So they had that that lasted for two months. And then they had, and now they have this, which has lasted a month. Of, of watching this Indians team. And then what you see happens is people who never watch sports now watch every out. And that will right. happen in Columbus because Columbus is, is every bit the sports city that, that Cleveland is. I mean, it is a phenomenal sports city. Columbus is. Both of them are. I can't speak to Cincinnati as much because I didn't spend any time there, but I can speak to Columbus. I've seen the ratings. I know what they watch. They watch it all. If the Columbus Blue Jackets ever, they don't have to win the cup, but if they ever made a run to the Eastern Conference final, Oh man, people lose their minds. City would go bananas. Yeah, and, and that's what professional sports give you. And if this is my first time living in a professional sports city the last year, and to be able to see how a city almost buzzes over professional sports series is really, really cool. And I want that for Columbus. I it's going to be a while because that hockey team right now, while they they're off to a nice start and they're fun, they're not a team that can win the East. No. So, um, you know, hopefully they you know they get it going and they. They, you, you get some of that because Columbus will be just electric. Even, if, well, if even in the, the, the one series, right, where they just gave the, you know, the I think it was the Blackhawks, right, where they gave them, like, everything that they had, and they had a, this incredible – The Red Wings, they got swept by the Red, Red Wings, Wings and then and then but then they won two games against the Penguins. The so, Penguins, that's I mean, what I'm were, thinking of, the Penguins, yeah. yeah. But that was, that was amazing. I watched every yeah. single game of that series against the Penguins. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the the ridiculous comeback that they had where I was like, I'm turning this off, but no, I'm not going to turn this off. And then yeah. like that, those moments, that's what people live for as sports fans. Like it doesn't okay. matter that they lost that series. I just want to see more of that. Um, yep. So I'm, I'm really excited for Cleveland. Again, I will rag on them all. I feel like you can't stop <laughs> me from doing it, but I, I think it's cool. And I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I can't deny that I'm a little jealous of, uh, of that excitement that that city gets to have. I, I do think it's kind of funny that they're going to all of a sudden turn into the, the next Boston and be incredibly insufferable and, and terrible. Oh, they will. They already are. Best, I mean, yeah. it's funny. My, I'll tell you this quick story. My four and a half year old 
um, said to me last week, I'm paraphrasing, but something to the effect of, uh, Daddy, does every team in Cleveland win a championship? And I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. pretty much. That's 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 what Forever. you moved into. Son. In the meantime, your grandfather hasn't been to you know hadn't seen anything in sixty years. But yeah, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna live in Wintersville, USA. That's the only that's the only way that it is. Um, the last thing I want to get to with you, and then I think we've got some uh, some questions. I, so I have not watched the NFL in three weeks. I've had no interest in it. Um, I don't think the, the league is interesting. It's just not interesting to me. I, there's no, I'm look, I will watch next week when the Raiders play the Broncos because I'm interested to see if the Raiders can take a step. That's a kind of a fun team to watch. It's too much underneath throwing. I just think the league stinks. I think with Roethlisberger down, the Patriots are like the only fun team to watch. Everybody else is pretty much garbage. And it probably yeah. helps that it probably hurts me that I'm a Bears and kind of a Browns fan and th- those two teams are just an abomination. So I just don't watch. I haven't watched in 3 weeks. I haven't missed it. I have free Sundays. I've watched them I've watched baseball instead or uh, hung out with my kids like I just I haven't. I I devour college football and I've loved all the baseball but I haven't watched any NFL. The other thing I haven't watched and people who remember my radio show remember this. If HBO has a series out, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and I have not watched a single episode of Westworld. And I'm wondering what I've missed out more on because I'm going to I'll probably catch up on Westworld. And and I'm assuming you've watched some NFL in the last three weeks. So of the two things, what am I missing the most out on here? Oh, 100 percent Westworld. NFL is garbage. It's legitimate. Yeah. I mean, look. (laughs) well, no, but seriously, like the NFL, the amount of flags, the there's no (laughs) joy. But the replays, the the, or not the replays, the, the reviews, the flags, like. I think what uh, the Raiders had the record for most flags in a game. Um, the ties stay for the ties yeah. guys. Uh, oh, yeah. God, that was awful. I mean, I was watching that game until like one 30 yesterday and it's like, a, yeah, they're in London and they tie. Like it was just, it's not necessarily that, you know, the quality is just terrible in the NFL. It's just that it's not fun. They, it seems like they do everything they can possibly do to make the game less fun at the NFL mm-hmm. level for a lot of different, in a lot of different ways from the way they show the game on television to the way it's called in general. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to watch a lot of the time. So I would definitely go with Westworld. Westworld's pretty good. One of the things that I will say about it though, that I'm a little worried about what Westworld's doing is they've got all these mysteries and every week they keep piling on more mysteries, but they're not really mm-hmm. solving any of them. So it's lost. Is it going to be like lost? That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about they're going to go the lost route and they're just going to show you so many mysteries and then kind of hope that when they finish it, you'll be satisfied with the answers that they give you. Um, now, let me ask you this. Did you, did you watch Lost? I watched, I didn't watch a lot of it. I watched maybe like 10 okay. or 12 episodes. Yeah, I watched all of Lost and um, what what was, um, I enjoyed it all. I thought it, the last season was a little crazy, but yeah. I, I really liked it. I, I liked all of it. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> I, can't, I have no idea what happened. Right. I remember numbers were a very big deal, and then they kind of ended up not being. They were kind of random, and yeah. it's clear that they were just kind of making up as they go along. So, if those type of, but I yet, well, it was on. I loved it. So, I'd be curious to. I, I'm definitely going to give Westworld a chance. I, I love the old West, and I know it's not necessarily an old West sci-fi or whatever, but um, I, I still like seeing horses running around. So, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm going to give it a shot. And so, on your recommendation, I will. Uh, I may partake uh, tonight after we're done here. With the pod guess on, it's, on episode it's one. really well acted it's really really well acted the writing's pretty good it's it's definitely something you can get into um i just they got to start they got to start solving some stuff they can't just keep setting things up i mean eventually those pins got to get knocked down so last week was pretty insane 
but again, you know, you gotta you gotta start moving the plot forward a little bit. But All it's right. fun to watch. It's definitely a fun, okay. definitely a fun uh, show to watch. All right. So I'll I'll start that this week, and um, and then I'll watch an NFL game on Sunday with the with the Raiders and the Broncos. There you go. For the first time in three weeks, I've never taken a vacation from the NFL like this. I love the NFL. Watched it every week, and I haven't watched an NFL game in three weeks. It's crazy. Yeah, doesn't feel doesn't feel too bad though, right? I mean, you're no, not it's okay. I really don't miss it. No, I don't. And I love the college game. I just think it's so superior. It's not even close right now. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, do we have do we have some ask us anything, my friend? Yeah, let's blow through this real quick. So, ask us anything. Uh, we, you know, again, you guys can ask us anything by sending us an email to dubcast11warriors.com, or you can uh, hit us up on Twitter at eleven dubcast. First question is from Alvin. Uh, do you wash your apples? Yeah, of course. I mean, they have wax on them. Do you? I don't. Um, I, I do worry with the wax. I don't always have the time. Like I, I'm just like today. I was we'll just move. shoving one in my face. I really I thought we would really just breeze through this with the clear right answer, and then you just shocked me with the fact that you don't. Like you've you know seen the people handle them, right? Yeah, at the grocery and they store. get on. They get on the conveyor belt too with all the other crap. But I just yeah. I don't even think about it. I'm like, what is water really going to do? Like, is that cleaning it? I don't. It's just getting it wet. Well, I got to get the wax off before I can eat it. I mean, for sure. All right, so. fair enough. Right. I'm a disgusting human being. I don't really care. I'm just whatever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, real quick, uh, we kind of talked about tempo, um, but here's here's the one thing that I want to add to this. This is from John. He kind of we kind of addressed it already. Have you noticed though that when they put that tight end in motion, right, mm-hmm. in short distance, like it's always the same play every yeah. single time. Like they have got to get a handle on that because if I can That's see that earlier. Coming, yeah, I said if the I, worst thing you could say to Urban is your offense is predictable. He'd want to slap you. So if yeah, I can see I, that coming, yeah, then you're, you're clearly predictable because I can't see anything coming. I'm I'm terrible. Um, yeah, all right. So and then the <laughs> uh, the very last one. This is kind of another thing we addressed real quick. This is from Adam. Uh, he wants to know where Harbaugh bringing his mitt to the World Series ranks on uh, the reasons why he's insane list. I actually would put that fairly low. I would I bring a glove to it. Oh game. my god! I don't even know how how can you can you. Imagine coming up with a, he's such a delightful lunatic. If, yeah. if I were to, to say like, like I love him. I unabashedly love him. Um, <laughs> he's perfect. I, he's so perfect. And what we need. Um, now I don't want him winning all the time against Ohio state, but at the same time, like I really enjoy how nuts he is and he is yeah. certifiably nuts. Uh, the fact that he would go get those glasses He's one of the crazy, that might be number one. I mean, he's done a lot of crazy crap, but that might be in the top, that's in the top five. The fact that he would go and buy the glasses so easily. I, the, one of the most, if I were to tell you, what is the most ide- easiest way to identify Woody Hayes? Like if you're going to be like a Woody Hayes lookalike, you better have the black hat with the block O on it and you better have those glasses. Like if yeah. you have those two things, you got a chance. Like you think about the dead Schembecklers. I mean, they wear the oh, glasses. It, it's what you have to have. Right. How? For him to consciously go and buy those glasses, which are not in style, and I've never seen anybody wear <laughs> since 1974, and, yeah. and the fact that he's that he's doing that, and I've and he never wore glasses before either. It's not like this is a guy who wore glasses, like he had those readers, but that's it. But like now he's choosing to wear glasses all the time, and they're Woody Hayes's glasses. I mean, I'm sorry, he can tell Malcolm X and and Michael Douglas <laughs> from walk, falling down all he wants. He's wearing Woody Hayes's glasses. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, he, he's he's crazy. a nutcase. He's definitely a nutcase, but I would say the shirts versus skins thing that he did and then the uh the sleeping over at the recruits house or something it's, like it's all batshit crazy, but the, the <laughs> it, it all adds up. Like 
<laughs> it's all, it's stuff. all, it's all part of a rich tapestry, right? Yeah. Like, but we're so lucky to have him. I mean, this is so much more interesting than with oh, no Brady Oak or Rich Rodriguez or Lloyd Carr. I mean, this is the most interesting this rivalry's been since Bo and Woody. So I'm I'm thrilled about it, and I can't wait to him to see him come to the shoe at the end of the month. Same, yep. And that's that's the uh, that's ask us anything. Those are all the questions that we got. All right, buddy. We got uh, Nebraska and Dubgate big week for us at Eleven Warriors television show will drop Tuesday at seven. So that's perfect. You can watch it before uh, the World Series. Yeah, uh, look forward to. That and uh, look forward to talking to you next week, buddy. Absolutely. See you then, man.